And welcome to another episode of Resilient Stories Podcast, where we share the grit and glory behind the stories of amazing people like you who have bounced back from failure and adversity to go to live their best lives on purpose. Today's show is being sponsored by Million Dollar Business Pathway. Where we believe everyone has a story to tell and to sell. If you want to learn how to tell and sell your story, visit tawatson.com, go into the programs and products tab, and click on Million Dollar Business Pathway to get yourself started. So folks, are you guys ready for another amazing show today? Joining me, I have my friend, Hall of Fame speaker, Desi Williamson. Hey, brother, how you doing? How are you? How are you, Tommy? Good to see you. Hey, good to see you as well, man. We, we've been connected for um, almost, what, 20, 20 years or so, man? 25, 30 years. 25, 30 years, man. It's good. And Desi, look like he aged uh, at all, man. He just told me 65, man. He looks great. He looks like 35 years old, man. Yeah, looks good over there. And I'm going out here kicking and screaming, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. So, Desi, can you introduce the uh, the audience to you, brother? Yeah, well, hello to everybody out there. I'm Desi Williamson. I'm really glad to be here. Tommy has offered me the opportunity to share my thoughts and ideas with you, and I am looking forward to doing so. Yes. And, Desi, if people want to contact you for speaking or anyone, anything else, what's the best way to get a hold of you? They can go to two places. They can go to my management company, which is speakersoffice.com. Or they can go to DesiWilliamson.com, my website, and they can connect to my management company from my website. Awesome. You're talking about a Hall of Fame speaker. He's, you're talking about a guy who gets you pumped up. Desi will get you pumped up. <laughs> sure, man. Good. So, Desi, you know this show is about, you know, trying to introduce our audience to amazing people like you and have you walk us through, you know, a difficult time in your life so that we can understand the, the grit behind uh, the glory. Because oftentimes we see people who are doing well we don't get a chance to hear the, the, the grind behind the story. So I'm gonna start with my first question, Desi, and it's um, what has been the biggest obstacle you've had to overcome personally or professionally in your life? The biggest obstacle personally was making it out of the north side of St. Louis alive. Wow. Yeah, I mean, when I grew up, and if you go look even now, uh, St. Louis is always in the top three most dangerous cities. Wow. And that's, St. Louis was certainly dangerous back then. Yeah. And so growing up in my neighborhood, nine boys were murdered before I even came the University of Minnesota to go to college wow. for, for drugs and mostly, you know, gang activity. Now I'm in my neighborhood on my street. Wow. And so I was talking to a friend of mine that I grew up with a few weeks ago and our biggest goal every day growing up was to not find ourselves in harm's way, you know? And I had many nights where maybe I'd be at a party or maybe I'd be somewhere that would be shooting started. And I had many nights where I'm like, Lord, please let me get home tonight alive. Yes. And I had more than one night like that. Yes. So my biggest obstacle was game planning my way so I could find a way out of that situation. Yes. And that's what I worked towards my from really my entire childhood up into high school until I got scholarships to go to different schools. Yeah. And that's amazing. I appreciate you sharing it with us, Desi. So now I grew up in the 80s in the um, um, out west when the, um, the drug trade came in. So you're talking about more of the 60s and 70s? I'm talking more of the 70s, 70s, late 60s and the 70s. Yes, okay. And of course, so heroin was a big part of the communities then, right? Yeah, they call it heroin back in those heron, days. Heroin, heroin, yes. But we know it is, the formal name is heroin. Yes. 
that and cocaine, of course, was, was still big. Yes. Uh, then, of course, the, you know, uh, your crack, you know, came in towards the latter, you know, in the early 80s. Yes. That came in. And so, you know, I lost, uh, you know, I'm kind of in the middle. So a lot of times my patients ask me, uh, you know, are you in recovery? I said, no, I'm not in recovery from using, but I'm recovering from being around the life. My oldest brother got shot and, and died. Uh, it's been 45 years ago now. Wow. My oldest brother. And my baby brother's been incarcerated now uh, for, he did 17 years, he got back out, he went back in. So he's got, he got 26 to life. So he's got 20 more years to do of a sentence. So I was in the middle, I was, saw death on one side and I saw incarceration on the other. Yes. And then I, uh, I decided I was gonna to change my life. I was gonna change my course. Yes. But I can't take all of the credit for it because my grandmother my mother was 16 when I was born. Okay. Wow. A baby with a baby, yes. you know, and she didn't always make the best decisions when it came to men. Yeah. So by the time I was 11 years old, I had lived with five different men. Wow. And most of them were violent and abusive. And I used to watch them beat my mother to the point where she would run out of the house. Wow. And uh, when my mother would go out, you know, she would leave on a Friday and come back Sunday. And during that time, I took care of my brother and my sister. I'd wash diapers and I put you know, cooked. I was just a kid myself, wow. but I took that responsibility. And by the time I was 11, I was, I just couldn't take it anymore. And so my father's mother, my grandmother, Bond, we talked about Walter, Ada Bond. Yes. Uh, I, I ran away from my mom to go live with my grandmother. Wow. And she changed my life. Wow. You know, Desi, that's, that's real powerful. You know, oftentimes, you know, I'm a former educator as well. And uh, I know my sister, my old sister was in sixth grade. She was raising us pretty much. We were raising a one-year-old sister. Um, a lot of people can't relate to that, man. Talk, talk to us about the emotions that go into having to take on that responsibility at such a young age. What does it feel like? What, what are you dealing with, though? It feels like the weight of the world is on your shoulders. Yeah. Because you know what you have to do, but you don't know why you got to do it. Yeah. You know, and I have to do it because... I was ordered to do it. You know, my mom wasn't there. She was out trying to, she was caught between trying to live a young woman's life and be a mother. Yeah. And you, she and she couldn't, she couldn't be both. Yes. And so I felt the weight of that on me constantly. You know, I would, you know, worry about food and, and where, you know, a lot of times we had raggedy clothes. Yeah. Uh people ask me now because I, you know, I dress, you know. And one of the reasons why I'm I dress and I love clothes. Is because we used to be raggedy and kids would laugh at us. We had holes in our shoes. And I, I remember looking through the dirty clothes basket for the cleanest thing in there. That's right. And having to wear it at the school. Yes. So these things have a profound effect on, 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 on a kid as you asked me that question. So I felt the, uh, the, the heaviness and the weight of that responsibility as, yeah. a, as a kid. Yeah. And you know that that is so profound um, because there's a lot of educators listening to our podcast out there and they probably have students who are carrying that same weight as well. Yeah. Um, what were some of the coping mechanisms that you, you turned to to kind of get yourself through that period of your lifetime? I mean, that's, that's a tough. I mean, my older sister, I love her to death, man. She was in sixth grade. She would have to stay home with my younger sister while we went to school and she was carrying a lot of weight there. I mean, so what, what are the coping mechanisms that you, you used? To man, the coping mechanism I used was truly to pray, man. Mm -hmm. I didn't know anything else and I didn't even know uh, I just, you know, heard that prayer 
work. Mm. And I, you know, I would go to at a young age, huh? At a yes, young age. Yeah, and I prayed and then I grinded it out. Yes. Because a lot of times, you know, we wouldn't have food to eat. Yeah. And and we'd have to have sugar sandwiches and syrup sandwiches and yes. ketchup and mayonnaise sandwiches. And yes. Our, you yes. made you made do with what you had. And you did the best. I remember eating cornflakes with water because we didn't have milk. Man. You know, no, and powdered milk. household, man. Yes. <laughs> you know, yeah. but somehow, you know, you just continue to, even though you're acting or reacting just out of the, the necessity of the situation, you could continue to do what you got to do because that's all you know to do. Yes. Survive. Yes. And, yeah. uh, you know, and a lot of that came, I would say a lot of that maturity to answer that question further came from, because when I was a little boy, my mother would leave before I had a brother and sister. She would leave me at home a lot of times by myself. Hmm. And I spent a lot of time alone doing my early, I'm talking being, you know, first grade, second grade. She would lock, say, close the door and don't answer it if Jesus himself knocks on it. Right. And I would run out of the house many nights because I would get scared. Yeah. And the other neighbors would take me in to keep me till she came back home. Wow. And so those moments I would pull, I would go to those. Yes. Say, well, if I made it through that, you know, I can make it through this. And many times my brother and sister would look to me like, mm -hmm. you know, we're hungry. Yes. Or, help us, you know. You know, that, I remember washing my sister's diapers just before Pampers, man. You yeah. dumped them in the toilet, you washed them and you ironed them. And, wow. you know, I mean, you know, it was a totally different world at that time. Man. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, Desi, as you think back to that time, man, uh, did you have mentors? Man? Who, 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 who were guys? Who was the people? The people at, who were that time, at that time, I really didn't have any mentors per se. Uh, my mentor was my nanny, my grandmother. And she kept me off and on from the time I was born. Okay. And so when I finally made the decision to leave my mother, my mother, I was living with the her fifth guy, you know, she was uh, married to my dad, but they got divorced, you know, when I was like three years old. Mm -hmm. So I would call my grandmother and she would talk to me on the phone till I fell asleep many, many nights. Mm. And so uh, I left my mother, my mother at 11 years old, I packed my clothes in paper bags from the grocery store, I called a cab and I left to go live with my grandmother. Wow. And that seven years I spent with her changed my life. Everything wow. I am and everything I will ever be, I owe to her. Wow, wow, wow. That's powerful, man. That's, yeah. that's so powerful. She got me in church, uh, you know, and then I went to a military high school. Because okay. the high school in our area had a lot of problems, you know. Very difficult for a kid to learn in that environment. It was violence every day. Yeah. You know, it was very hard. So she was a, a cook for a wealthy family okay. in Clayton, Missouri, which is kind of like the Beverly Hills of St. Louis. Okay. And so the, uh, she would drive past Christian Brothers High School every day going to from work, watching the boys going in their military uniforms. And when I got ready to go to school, high school, she already had up her mind that, we, that I, that's where I was going. Yes. And so uh, we took... Uh, three buses and two transfers. Yes. And she waited in the hallway for three hours while I took the exam to get into that school. That changed everything. Wow. Wow. Changed everything. And, and you know, Desi, um, we hear a lot of kids who are a lot of people who have given those opportunities, man, to um, change their lives. What kept you motivated to to go after that opportunity? I mean, you were a young man. You didn't quite know where, that it was going to take you to the NFL or become a Hall of Fame speaker. What was keeping you motivated at that time to keep going? The fear of having to live in, in that environment any mm -hmm. longer. 
Hmm. That fear drove me because I knew if you don't do this, yeah. you're going back to that. Yeah. And that is what kept me on course. That thought of that. Yes. The, the murders, the, the kids that who lived two doors down, Michael that got killed and Greg who got killed and Larry who got killed. Those thoughts kept me on the grind. Yeah. I yeah. don't want to go back to that life. That's right. That's right. And that's powerful. Um, how did that experience, those experiences in St. Louis shape you as a person? What, what, what did you glean from it? You know, discipline, you know, and how to stay, how to stay on the grind and work hard for something if you want it. I mean, because there, you know, there was a lot of, I mean, I learned how to zig when trouble zagged. Yes. And yes. so, you know, I, I managed to stay out of harm's way, but, you know, it, it, uh, I managed to stay away from it enough not to get killed. Yes. Okay. I've been cut. I've been stabbed. Yes. But I didn't die. Right. And, and so those things are what kept me focused. And then once you get a taste of uh, something different, you know, I went to school with a lot of very wealthy kids. Mm -hmm. and you see how they how they live and how they roll. And it's like, they, yeah, you know, I want that too. Right. Absolutely. And, and so, you know, I had to work for it. And I became the first African-American captain of a football team at that school. I became the first African-American to be inducted into the Hall of Fame at that school, the first one to get a division one scholarship at that school. You know, uh, uh, there was a lot of firsts that I didn't even realize they were they were until I came back years later. People yes. were like, well, don't you know that you were this and that you meant, you know, I'm like I didn't even really think about it at that time. Right, you know, absolutely. That, that's uh, that's incredible. You know, when you, when you keep your head, keep your head down grinding, you don't even recognize all this stuff going around you. You know, as you came out of the situation and you look back over it now, would you do anything differently? You know, no, mm. no, because I did what I knew at the time mm. and it turned out, okay, I've had yeah. a pretty good life. Yes. So the only thing I would have done is worked harder. Okay. If I could have done one more thing, no, I, I tell you what, that's a great question. Here's what I would have, I would have had more confidence than I had, mm. even more. Okay. Yes. Even more, okay. you know, I mean, I was uh, a person that was driven. Yes. I would have had even more confidence then, yes. you know, and that, that would be the, I guess the difference. I would have known how good I was. Yes. That's good. That's, that's, that's a great piece to look back over, you know, and you know, Desi, we're coming off a year 2020, man, where people have um, lost jobs, lost loved ones, lost money lost confidence, you know, in themselves. Um, what piece of advice can you give those folks out there listening that a brighter day is to come? Just always keep the faith, man. Faith is so powerful. I know it sounds cliche, but it's absolutely true. If you just keep the faith, you know, to morning, tomorrow the sun's gonna come up. Yes. And I, and I, and I would just say, and continue to, you know, always have a plan B. I've always had, a, as you remember, I told you when we first started speaking, do more than speak. That's right. Have other been so I've always had a plan A and plan B and a plan C. Yes. Even have more than one way to get something done. That's right. In this day and age, especially because if someone pulls a rug out from under you, then there you sit. Absolutely. So always have alternatives. Yes. Give yourself alternatives by becoming interested in various things, more than just one thing. Yes. That's great advice. And, and again, when I left my job as a principal, uh, that's the key advice Desi William gave me, Williamson gave me when I was leaving. He said, don't just become a speaker, 
have multiple streams of income. And um, that's what I've really honed in on over the years. And I can't thank you enough for that advice. And for the thank folks you. that are listening, I hope you're being inspired by Desi's uh, story, man. You get to talk about a guy who came from the uh, St. Louis, one of the uh, toughest cities in the country and went on to become a Hall of Fame uh, motivational speaker as well and doing great things, you know, a real estate guy as well. Um, Desi, if people want to get a hold of you again, what's the best way to get a hold of you? It's uh, DesiWilliamson.com or speakersoffice.com. Yes. And all the contact information is there. Yes. And again, reach out to him. Great, great coach, speaker. You're, you're a therapist now as well, right? Yeah, University of Minnesota. I went back to school at 59 years old oh. because I wanted to make a difference more than just speaking. I wanted to be able to touch people. Because, you know, when you speak, you know, at least back before COVID, you're up on the stage and you got a thousand people in the audience. It's, it's a different modality when you're able to touch people up closer yes. and, 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 uh, and make a difference in their lives because you have closer contact with them. That's right. And so the patients at the University of Minnesota Medical Center, they're with us for a month. It's an inpatient program. Wow. So I'm able to, you know, do some hands-on work with people. Yes. So I went back to school at 59 and, uh, you know, did the internship at the University of Minnesota Medical Center. And when I, my internship was up, they asked me to be on their staff. And they said, we know you speak, but, you know, we'll, you know, we, we can work the date around your dates. Yes. And I said, of course. And so I've been there now for, for five years. Man, congratulations, brother. Thank you. So, so I went back to school. But there's one more thing I'd like to say uh, that you asked me about uh, obstacles overcome. That was growing up. The other obstacle was I found myself having, and, and I know a lot of African-American people can relate to this, is in corporate America. Mm -hmm. I spent 25 years in corporate America. Yes. And I, just like the same philosophy I used to get out of St. Louis, I used to get out of corporate America. Wow because I saw no black CEOs. The only black CEO at that time, there were two uh, back when I was working for corporate America. It was uh, Ken Cheneau, who was the CEO of American Express okay. and Richard Parsons, who was CEO of Citibank. Yes. And other than that, I saw nobody. Every job I had, I worked for, for seven different companies in that 25 years. Every job I ever had, me and my counterparts, my black counterparts, we were six and seven years older than our white counterparts who had wow. the same job. Wow. So we had to be overqualified for the wow. same position. Yeah. And so I said, I've got to get out of here and start my own business. Yes. Because I will labor in obscurity if I continue down this path because I don't, I didn't hit a glass ceiling. I had a, a block wall. Right. And so my whole game, and Walter would tell you this, he did, was to disband my cards till I was out of the corporate game. Now I'm in it now but I come to speak for them. Yes. And so again, keeping the faith, I have one more story if you allow me to tell it. Absolutely. I didn't make it to the NFL, right? I played three positions at the University of Minnesota, didn't get drafted, was devastated. Mm -hmm. So I started speaking, you know, worked in corporate America until 95, went full-time as a speaker in 96. And so you just never know where the goodness is going to happen if yes. you keep the faith. So back in old six, I was offered an opportunity to speak to the University of Minnesota at the Golden Gopher, our alma mater, the football banquet. Yes. At that time, Tim Brewster was the head coach. Yes. When I finished my speech, he called Brad Childress, who was the head coach of the Vikings. Yes. And said, you got to have Desi come talk to the team. I went and spoke to the team. Afterwards, Brad Childress said, how can we work together beyond what you just did for us? Wow. 
I worked, I, I was on a contract for three and a half years. I wrote the speeches that he gave to the team every wow. week before the game. Really? I signed an NFL contract and I made more money than they would have ever paid me as a player, as a consultant. Wow. And then wow. I ended up going to speak to the Chicago Bears. So I wow. made it to the NFL, but it was a completely different way than I ever thought I yes. was. Yes. So, you know, just stay on the grind. Keep doing what you're doing, putting one foot in step in front of the other and never, ever give up. Yes. Because, you know, I couldn't believe it. Every Thursday when I walked into Coach Children's office so I could prep him, and I, I created motivational videos, which I now use with my corporate clients. I did 50 of them. Wow. The Vikings pay for these things. And they, these are studio quality, mini movies from five to 10 minutes long on various topics. Muhammad Ali, I did one on Mayweather. I did one on NASCAR. I did one, it, it, and they pay for them. They pay like 50 grand for me to create all these videos over their three years. I use them now with my corporate clients. Yes. I made it to the NFL in a way completely different than I ever thought I would. That's right. So never, ever give up. Man, you know, if you're folks out there, man, if you're not pumped up and inspired by Desi Williamson, I'm not sure what's going on with you. Don't <laughs> give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. So, Desi, we've talked about some of the tough stuff. Are you ready to have some fun now? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Okay. So this portion of our show is called the Rapid Fire uh, Purpose Questions. I'm going to uh, read off a number of questions to you. I'm going to run them off to you, Rapid Fire. I'm not going to expound on them. We want, to, we want you to give... Uh, me and the audience, your best answer to each question. All right, okay. ready? I'm ready. Okay. How have you turned a dream into reality? By constantly keeping my dream in front of me and seeking out people who could help me. Okay, love it. What gives your life meaning? Uh, being a great father and being known as a nice guy, a for real down to earth guy. Love it. What one word best describes you? Accountability. Okay. What problem do you want to solve in our world? Peace and love hmm. and, and giving people confidence that maybe have lost it. I love it. What was your favorite thing to do as a kid? Dream. Dream. Yeah. What do you wish you had more time to do? Write. Okay. Write more. Good. I really got two books, but I'm going to write a third. And so write. Awesome. What does your 15-year-old self imagine you would be doing right now? Successful. Okay. It didn't know what, but I knew I would be successful. But I would, I would say if I had to give you a word, sales. Okay, and sales. Okay. Sales, because that's what I was taught as a youngster. You got to sell something. Yes. Starting with yourself. Yes. If you had to teach someone something, what would you teach? Confidence. Mm. Oh, I love it. Who inspires you the most? Grandmother. Mm. And she's been gone now for many years, but she's in my heart. Yeah. If you open up my book, Where There's a Will, There's a Way, yeah. you find my nanny on the first page. That's right. I love it. What, 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 did you, what, what inspires you most about her? Tenacity, yeah. grit. Yeah. It never gave up. Class. She had eight children, wow. six boys and two girls. But she always called me her ninth child. Really? And everybody knew I was her favorite. And they didn't always like that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they didn't. I'm sure they did not. <laughs> What's something about yourself that me and the audience might be surprised to learn about you? Uh, kind of clumsy. <laughs> 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 I, 
Yeah, I can trip and fall and occasionally drop things, but the, you know. <laughs> football players clumsy. There you go. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't what's a receiver. <laughs> <laughs> good, good. Kept you out of that role right there. What was you? What's on your bucket list to do within the next year? Start my book and and finish it. Because the first time you think it's a fluke, the second time you you know you could do it, the third time is the charm. And I, and I think this book will be even more compelling than the other two because I'm at a much um, a different place, you know, than I was before. Absolutely. It's like uh, the hand, you know, you got to play the hand that's dealt to you, and so that so. Can I show you what, what I mean? Absolutely. Okay. So the, the, the aces are the dominant cards in most decks, right? But most people don't understand what the aces mean. Okay. So the ace of spades is called the death card, but it doesn't mean the death of a person. It means the death of old ideas. Mm. It means the new beginning. Mm. The ace of diamonds is called the unity card. Because, you know, if you look at, you know, the same as you would give someone you love that you're going to marry, you give them a diamond ring mm. to express your love. Yes. The Ace of Clubs is the growth card. It stands for significance and growth. And I try to take a look at where I've been, be grateful for that, use that as a driver to take me where I want to go. Yes. And then the last card is the Ace of Hearts. That means love, matters of the heart, and home. Wow. And I just say with, you know, with the life that I've had, I've had a pretty good hand and I'm playing to win. <laughs> that's right. That's what I'm talking about. Make the best of it, man. That's, that's what I'm talking about. Desi, what is something you'll spend time doing no matter what? Dreaming, continuing to dream big. If I catch myself not doing something, and I learned this from Steve Harvey, it's like sometimes we don't dream big enough. Mm -hmm. And it's like he was saying, has God ever let you down? Right. Have you ever starved to death yet? Right. And I say that I was praying on Sunday. I said, God, you everything that I've asked for, you, you, you're not in my time, in your time. That's right. So continue to dream big because yes. when we dream big, that gives us a bigger canvas to bring other people with us. Absolutely. What is something you want your grandchildren to say about you? Granddaddy was a beautiful guy. He was a beautiful man. That's awesome. If you were a superhero, what would your superpower be? It'd be the ability to, to fly. Okay. Because then I can see everything from an aerial perspective. Yes. And I can make better decisions because I can see more than I can see with just my regular sight. Absolutely. What do you love to learn about? People. Okay. What sparks your creativity? Curiosity. Okay. Cool. I, I, I try to wake up every day with an air of curiosity. What can I learn today that I didn't know before? And I wake up every day with that I curiosity. Love I love it. If you became president today, what law would you pass first? Stop killing black people. Good. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Particularly Good. black men. That's right. Yeah, I'd make, I'd make that law have some teeth. That's right. Because at this time, it doesn't. And I get very, that's a whole nother conversation. Yeah. But stop killing us. You get a lot of support behind that. Absolutely. If you could follow someone around for a day, who would it be and why? It'd be Steve Harvey. Hmm. 
because I'm a fan of Steve Harvey's and I yeah. watched him grow. And he talks about a lot of the things I'm interested in, like having a vision board. Yes. And and he talks about, you know, you're dreaming and sticking with your dream and dreaming big enough. And so I would, you know, I would like to be, you know, it would be cool to kind of hang out with Steve for a little while. That's right. That's and I, right. And I tell you another person would be, if I can have to, it'd be Cedric Entertainment because he's from St. Louis. Okay, there you go. He's from, yeah. he's from North County. That's right. Wow. Yeah. Well, if you're listening, mate, hey, call call him up, said and uh Steve. Yeah, yeah. if you listen, yeah. hook a brother up. That's <laughs> <laughs> what I'm talking about. I'm still reaching, baby. That's right. What do you love to do for others? I love to make other people smile. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's the it, it could be a grand gesture or it could be the smallest thing. Yeah. But helping people. And that's why I love what I do so much uh, with my therapy addiction business because I'm helping people dig their way out of hell. Absolutely. And I absolutely love what I'm, I'm doing. I'm going to work. Of course, I'm going to work forever. I'll never retire. Yeah, absolutely. My retirement is a little overrated. Yeah. You know? uh -huh. and, but I'm going to work with people, helping people as long as I'm breathing. That's right. I love it. What's been the best gift someone's ever given you? My grandmother gave me the best gift I've ever had because she gave me unbridled, unconditional love, mm -hmm. love. Yes. She loved me. She loved her some Desi. Yeah, that's good. And, and I knew that. And she let everyone know that's, that's right. my boy. That's right. And so, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, proud. What's been the best compliment you've ever received? Oh, that's a good one. It probably come from uh, speeches I've given and for people to write me a note saying, you changed my life. Mm -hmm. Something you said sparked something in me. Or oh, I just lost my dad. I tell a story about my dad and my relationship with my mom. You know, I made amends with my mom. I hadn't seen her for 12 years. I went and found her. Wow. And I made amends with my mom and my dad. I put them on the phone three weeks before my dad died. We knew he was dying of cancer. Wow. They hadn't talked in 33 years. Wow. So what I found is forgiveness. Yes. Forgiveness. I forgive. I forgave my mom. Yes. I forgave my dad. They hadn't talked for 33 years. I put them on the phone together three weeks before my dad died. That beautiful gift came because of forgiveness. Yes. I was blessed with that because of forgiveness. Yeah. So wherever you come from, I mean, if your parents weren't what you thought they should be, you know, forgive them anyway. That's right. And, and, and watch the blessings unfold. I've been blessed so much because of forgiveness. Well, that's, that's powerful. I love it. Thanks for sharing that as well. What's been the one thing you have never been afraid to do? Get up in front of people. <laughs> that's good. It runs in y'all's family. You and Walt, that's your thing. Hey, well, you know, you get nervous because this is nervous energy. But you do it anyway. Yeah. You know that you know that you're a speaker, so you know that. You That's know, right. You get up anyway. That's right. What moment from your childhood are you most proud of? The moment when I went to see uh, my grandmother had a tenant that she rented a room to in our duplex. His son played little league football. I had never been to a little league football game, didn't even know about football. Mm -hmm. And when I saw those boys running around in those pretty uniforms. And when I was 11, I said, I, I got to do this. I got to make, I'll pay the price. Uh -huh. I'll sacrifice. I want to do that. Yes. And, and that is reason for my whole football career 
that moment when he took me to that game and I decided I'm willing to pay the price to do that. That's what I'm talking about. I love it. What does success look like for you? Success for me is being content and happy. Mm -hmm. uh, I asked my patients this question. I said, how many of you, if I told you you had 20 years to live, would say that it's a reasonable amount of time? And they all agreed that it was. Uh -huh. I said, here's what 20 years is. 20 summers, 20 falls, 20 winters, yeah. and 20 springs. Yes. So if you live another 20 years, you've got 19 more Februaries left in your life. Yes. If you live 29 or 30 years, you've got 29 Februaries left. How do you want to live your life? Yes. And when you look at life like that, you realize how valuable it is. Mm. And you don't want to waste it. That's right. And so I'm here to make, whoever, with the time that I have left on this earth, I'm here to, to help others as best I can, to enjoy the time that God has given me. That's right. And make my preparation for my graduation to the next phase of my existence. That's right. I love it. Desi, what are you most grateful for? I'm most grateful for Nani. Because mm -hmm. none of nothing would have happened without my grandmother. Mm -hmm. She was the she was the catalyst mm -hmm. behind everything. Mm -hmm. And so I have to give her the credit, my Nani. She 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 taught me so much. And, and my father did too. My dad was the kind of guy, he wasn't there to go to all of your football games and things, but he was a hustler. And I meant what I meant by that is that he owned a lounge, he owned a, a restaurant. Okay. And I saw him, you know, he had an eighth grade education to become one of the most successful businessmen in St. Louis. Wow. And so in order to be with my dad, you had to go where he was. Yes. And you couldn't be with him without giving him, him giving you something to do. Right. It was impossible. You was going to work if he was around. Him. <laughs> and so I would say the blessing of those two, the contrast between uh, my father's tough love and my grandmother's gentle, guiding, kind, loving hand. I'm most grateful for those two things. Wow, I, I love it, I love it. Desi, what's been the biggest lesson you have learned in life? Always be, count your blessings, be grateful. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the things I have my patients do is I have them list all of the things that they're grateful for. Yes. And then I challenge them to feel depressed when they're in gratitude mm. and you can't do it. That's right. It's impossible to be in gratitude and be depressed at the same time. That's right. And so we know that there's two kinds. I know a lot of people out there depressed by what's going on. You know, just list all the things you're grateful for. Mm -hmm. And then I, I challenge them to be depressed. There's two kinds of depression. There's clinical depression, which we know sometimes it can be genetic, whatever, have genetic components. Mm -hmm. But the larger part of most depression is situational. Yes. Depression. So if you're feeling situational depression, then change your situation. Yeah, that's great. That's a good point. If you're yeah. in a bad marriage, that's making you depressed, then get out of it. Yeah. If you're living somewhere that makes you that way, plan your way to get out of it, like you and I did. Yes. You know, and I would say that that that, that would be gr gratitude, an attitude of gratitude. Thank you every day for the blessings that are bestowed upon me. That's Thank right. you, Lord. I, I love it. I love it. And last but not least, Desi, how do you want to be remembered in history? as someone who made a difference, mm. as someone who gave of himself, as, as someone who tried to set a good example, and someone who gave of himself, someone who made a difference that he was here. 
That's right. And maybe that's marked by somebody buying one of my books at a garage sale for a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still there. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> well, Des, you survived, man. Give yourself a round of applause, brother. Awesome job, man. Thank you. Thank brother, you. I can't thank you enough for coming on here, sharing your knowledge and wisdom with our audience, Desi. Desi, our last and final piece here. Um, our show focuses on two things, resiliency and purpose. What last thoughts can you give our audience, our audience around resiliency and purpose? I would say every single day, wake up with one. Mm. One of the things that I teach my, my, my patients is to, the first thing, to, to plan out their day the night before. Mm. Because uh, boredom is a huge trigger for addiction. Yes. Mm. And so uh, have a purpose. And that's why I will never retire. Mm -hmm. My purpose is to make a difference. If you look at the word retirement, it means to recede, to withdraw, mm. to hold back. Yes. And I can understand if someone's working in, you know, manual labor, it's breaking your body down. It's, you know, that's different, but you can still do something different. That's right. And so I will continue to work, continue. So purpose is waking up every day with a reason to go do something. Reasons mm -hmm. come first, answer second. It's mm -hmm. funny, and if I could just share this quick story. Yes. Uh, I made a video of Buster Douglas and the Mike Tyson fight. Okay. Now, everybody knows that Mike Tyson lost to Buster Douglas. Yes. But they didn't know why. And even that night when it happened, I think it was in 91, when he beat him, I, I, I'm always curious as to why. Why did that happen? Yes. It's the six most powerful questions in life. Who, what, when, where, how, why? Yes. And I try to ask, ask and answer those questions every day. What happened was Buster Douglas's mother died three weeks before that fight. Yes. And he dedicated that fight to the death of his mom. Yes. Mike Tyson couldn't have won that night with two Mike Tysons. Not that night. Yes. Because Buster Douglas was on something else, man. He was fighting for the memory of his mother. That's right. And so they asked him, they said, why did this happen? He said, because I wanted it. Mm. I loved it. I played that over and over for my patients because I wanted it, man. And he trained like he never trained before. Yes. He, he got focused like he never got focused before because he had a strong enough reason. Yes. So when you got a strong enough reason, man, you'll find a way to make things happen if your reason is strong enough. Reasons come first and successful. We like a lot of times what the answers, but what is the reason? Why do you want to do that? That's right. And your reason will drive you to your purpose. And of oh, course, resiliency is the key because a lot of times, I mean, things are not going to happen in our time, mm -hmm. but God's got his timetable. That's right. And he promised us that if we keep the faith, he will answer the call. That's right. And I tell you what, he will. That's right. Boy, Desi, boy, there was some good words. Boy, folks out there, I, I thank my friend, my brother, Desi Williamson, man. We've been knowing each other almost 30 years. He's been a mentor, uh, coach to me good friend, can't thank him enough. So folks out there, if you are someone who is an overcomer, has an amazing story, we wanna hear from you. Uh, go to tawatson.com and share your story with us. Subscribe to our podcast, Resilient Stories. Download it, uh, rate it, share with your folks on social media. And again, Desi, thank you very much, brother, for joining me today. Thank you, Tommy. Our listening audience out there, thank you guys. Dr. Watson. God Dr. bless. Dr. Watson, baby. Tell me when I was Tommy. You call me Tommy. You call me Tommy. All right. Tommy. All right. Yours truly. Everyone else out there, peace. Dr. Watson. My